Hello and welcome. We're on episode seven of Let's Talk Diaspora. We're so glad for you to join us today. Uh, I have a special friend joining us. Um, Angie is a frontline worker among the diaspora. And so Angie is uh, someone that I've known for about a year and she is working among Afghans in Fort Worth, Texas. So Angie, uh, a little over a year ago, this wasn't necessarily something God uh, was having you do, but we just wanna hear from you. What brought you to the point today that we can say Angie is a frontline worker among Afghans in Fort Worth, Texas? And, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I am a retired educator. Um, and so we, my husband and I both retired um, in 2020 during the COVID crisis. And um, I've always been a, like a regular um, participant in Bible studies and, and things like that and reading books. But um, it was it was in that time uh, right after retiring that I started to see a gap in in my spiritual life in my what what felt very physical to me. But I thought I'm over fifty years old and I've never shared the gospel with anyone before and um, and and that's that is incongruent with what I see in the word of God. And, um, so I started to feel like there's something wrong with me. You know, why, why isn't, why am I not prepared? Why don't I feel like, uh, I I'm doing this. So, uh, there were some books that helped along with that, like David Platt's radical. Uh, I read that voice of the martyrs, those magazines. One day I saw an article in, um, in the voice of the martyrs article that said, um, I'm going to pray that you go to a red zone. And, um, whenever I thought of that red zone, I, I did start to pray and I actually thought maybe I was going to go to, um, to a refugee camp somewhere in Europe or something. And I, I even told people at my church, I said, you know, I'm praying about it. I'm looking for it. And I started to try to find something. And I thought I could go for a whole month. It seems so funny now because, um, a month would be such a short time <laughs> and I would have such limited resources if I were in Europe for one month. But, um, I only speak English, so I didn't. I, I didn't fit a lot of categories. I'm not in the medical field. Um, I, I I saw a lot of shortcomings, but um, whenever I started to pray that, you know, I really believe that God brought the mission field to me. And um, in the diaspora, I I saw the people in Afghanistan leaving on the television, and I thought to myself. I hope someone is really good to them when they arrive here in the U.S. because there were so many of them coming. And I thought, you know, just I wondered about what their experience would be here. And um, I shared this with a lot of different people. So my sister sent me an application to start volunteering with RST, that's Refugee Services of Texas. And they had a little online orientation, you know, remember all those online things in COVID. <laughs> and um I did that. And then I, I started contributing some things. They had an Amazon list and they could, you could send a halal meal to them on the day they arrived. And um, then, uh, and I was also volunteering with some different organizations. Um, and so, but I, I had Wednesdays open and I remember that first time it was on a Wednesday, they needed someone to meet a family at the airport and pick them up. And I decided, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm off on Wednesday. I'll do it. And so that was the first Afghan family that I met. And I, uh, 
I fell in love a little bit, but I still thought they were a long way from me. I, I took them from the airport there. The drive would have been about almost an hour from me. And uh, I, I bought them a lot of things and helped them set up their house. And I, I really thought, well, that will be that. And I'll keep doing other things. But um, two days later, their nephew called me and said that they had moved. He said, they're, they're far from me. And um, I said, well, where are they? And he told me, and I knew the exact place. It was like 10 minutes from my house. And so uh, I said, they're close to me. I, I can, you know, anyway, that was just, I jumped in right then. I, I loved um, that. And, and at first I thought this will be my one family and I will teach them English and God's equipped me to help them with so many things. So I, I started to invest in that. And uh, I was going, you know, two or three times a week and and visiting with them and getting them the things they need. It was kind of before Christmas. And my husband said, well, why don't you sponsor that family and um, get them Christmas gifts and all of that? But but then we ended up meeting the the neighbors and then those neighbors. And then they said, oh, you need to meet this person because they speak English. <laughs> and so um, anyway, I, it now um, I'm working. I have. Uh, context with about 130 Afghan families here in Fort Worth. And um, along the way, I started a, a nonprofit and um, we've been able to do some amazing things. <clears throat> uh, God, God really uh, gave me a lot of connections through um, my husband was the previous uh, chief of police here in Fort Worth. And so um, we, we know a lot of people. And as I, um, mentioned different things. I, uh, I just made those connections. So I, I just want to ask a quick follow-up question because you, you very quickly said, I met one family at the airport and then they moved close to my house. And then you said, I have connections with 130 families. So between what is the timeline between that, that first arrival that you connected with to the point where you had that many connections or even today what is, what is the timeline like is that 10 years five years five months what does that look like um it's about uh it's not really quite two years because um all of that neo event when the afghans left afghanistan was in um they left in like august the end of august september but i met them in about november 2021 and now it is april 2023 so one, one question that I think a lot of people listening may, may have is how did you go from one, one family to the 130 families? Like very practically, um, what are some things that you did along the way? I, I think um, getting to know the family and um, spending time with them. I, I had time on my hands and it was funny how the other two things that I was volunteering at, you know, kind of, uh, I felt a release to, to leave those things behind. At first I was trying to juggle all of them. And then, um, I was like, well, I, I am much more needed here. Um, so I, it was just meeting a, a neighbor and then God really gave me a gift also to remember their names. And, and that's a, a crazy thing because these are names I had never used in my entire life. Um, a lot of Allahs and um, uh, I have probably, I have all those 120 um, different Muhammads in my phone. <laughs> um, they have different names after Muhammad. But so anyway, it's, 
getting to know them, getting to know their names, getting to um, meet them and, and just going and, and helping them get the things they needed. They needed washers and dryers. They needed furniture. They needed um, books. They needed um, books for their kids. There were, there were things as an educator that I, I really felt like they needed that maybe they didn't need after all. But anyway, helping them meet those needs. One of the, one of the neat things that we did in the very beginning was they all needed to go to school. I knew that they, those kids needed to get in school. They had arrived in November and it was coming up on March, 2022, and the kids were still not in school. And that was very concerning to me. And um, I checked, I was in contact with the um, settlement agency and they said that it's because they don't have their immunizations. And the immunization clinic was very backed up because all of these people were coming and the only contact that they would use was the phone and the people didn't understand what the people were saying when they called. So they were making a lot of appointments, but people weren't showing up for the immunization appointments. And then it would just get backed up. It was, it was a, a bad system at the time. But um, through one of the connections, we were able to set up a three-day immunization clinic. And I went out myself with an interpreter and we visited all the families and filled out all the paperwork. We told them we provided transportation. They took them to one central location and got everybody immunized in those days. And we we got um, probably, um, it sounds little, but uh, like 35 to 40 families um, into school shortly after that because they were all immunized at that time. So it was over, uh, uh, I think we immunized like 218 kids during that time. That doesn't sound like a small number. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, so I I hear a lot of people talking about diaspora and getting involved with diaspora and how much time it can take. So do you have any encouraging words for those that might not have, not may, may not be able to retire or take time off. So how do you encourage those um, in their part and how they could get involved? Well, um, one of the, I have a friend that she's still working now. She, she works three days a week instead of five days a week, but she is, she just calls me or sends a little message and like, we'll say, Hey, I'm off on Thursday. What could I do? So she goes, if she can go with me, but after she's gone with me some, so many times now I can send her somewhere. So, um, like if she says I'm off on Friday, then I say, I look at my schedule and say, this person needs help. They just moved to a new apartment. We need to, um, do all the change of address things for them. And so, um, that's what she did last week. And then she actually didn't finish it. So she said, I'm going to do the rest of it next week. So she already made herself a project for this week. Um, so it's kind of, uh, I I would invite them to go with me and to meet the people. That's the most important thing, I think, to fall in love with them, to to see them for that they're not someone distant. They're not someone I can't communicate with, I've never met before. Now they're somebody and I I see them. How have you overcome that language um, piece in getting to know them? Well, it's a little like playing charades, but I did finally find some... Uh, I have like at least um, 
I have a, a lot of men interpreters that will help me when needed. Um, I save their numbers and I've asked them if I can use them whenever it really, if I have to communicate something important. But um, I learned the days of the week and I know the numbers one to 10 in their languages. So that helps whenever I'm trying to make appointments. And then um, just recently, I've met five English speaking women, which is a real gift to me. So one of the things you, you, you said was whenever you need to communicate something really important, uh, I think many of our listeners would say one of the most important things that we can communicate um, to, to our friends in the diaspora is, is the message of, of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So tell, tell us how, how that, how you're using the vehicle of all the things that you've, you've done um, to begin to share the gospel um, with with these 130 families, maybe some specific stories, but what how how has that shift been been made, um, or or has it always been from the very beginning that was something you were doing? Um, no, I'm going to say it wasn't something from the very beginning. In the beginning, I I was just helping them, and I I was under the impression. Um, from my life that if I, if I served them really well, maybe they would recognize that I was um, a Christian and, and they would ask me about it. And, and I've heard that that can happen to some people. I've, I've heard that firsthand from some people who've worked with Afghan refugees. But I, I also started to, um, I, I got connected with um, a group of people. It was right after uh, Samaritan's Purse came and helped with that big uh, push to get all those kids into school after the immunization clinic. But she connected me to the Signal group. And so I got to know other people who were working amongst the diaspora in Dallas-Fort Worth. It's a big group, so it's Dallas included. And that's how I got to know you, bud. Um, I saw posts on there. Um, but one of the first things about about that uh signal app was I prayed with, I was praying, I was praying with Afghan refugees. And so, uh, one of my friends, I knew that he had money, um, to buy a vehicle, but we were looking for a vehicle that would be in his price range. And, um, I, the first time I logged on to that app, I saw a post I didn't know how long it had been there, but it said, my friend is willing to sell this van for $2,500. He wants it to go to, uh, to a refugee family. And I, because I knew that we were looking for that and we had just prayed about it two days before I, I said, we'll take it. And I put my friend in the Uber and sent him to go get the car. And he actually talked the guy down to just 2000. <laughs> but, um, anyway, to, I saw that prayer answered, and, and so did my friend. Um, but since then, I have, I've been a part of the Pathways internship um, with Global Gates. And, you know, all of this journey for me has been learning and connecting, learning and connecting um, to make growth. But it's changed um, my heart to, to learn methods to share the gospel with Muslims in particular. And through uh, Bible storying, through uh, reading the Injil together, learning a lot of these terms, like what is the Injil, um, learning the meaning of those words. Uh, it's a lot of new vocabulary. But anyway, um, where I, I can ask my friends, can we read the Injil together? And um, 
they have allowed me to do that sometimes during, uh, sometimes they, they say, oh, it's not a good time, but I'm learning more about them that they really don't even know. Um, they're not reading the Quran themselves because the Quran is only in Arabic. And so they don't have the Quran in their own language. So, um, but I actually bought one in their language so we can, we can look at it together. I want them to understand, but, but I also have a lot of resources for the Bible in English. We have, um, Bud, you've shared a lot. We have it, uh, audio. Many of my friends do not read or write in any language. Um, so it, anyway, I've, I've, it's sharing the word of God and sharing the gospel, that gospel message, the Korban uh, sacrifice story. Um, and I've been able to share that with several of my friends. I have not had a response yet, but, um, but it's yet I'm, I'm still waiting and praying. Wow. That was, that was a lot. Um, you, you, you mentioned the, the language they, they speak. Maybe you could just share for those who don't know the, the languages that uh, most Afghans speak. Yes. The languages are Pashto and Dari. And Dari is a, um, just a different dialect of Farsi um, or Persian from Iran. So um, it's written the same, but they pronounce it differently. And there are a few different vocabulary words. Pashto is a completely different language, um, although they share a few things like the days of, well, I don't know. I've heard their different days of the week, but most people in Afghanistan can understand the Dari, Pashto, uh, the Dari days of the week. And they have a few shared things that most have knowledge of. Is, is there a story... Um... You, you mentioned answered answered prayer in an instance of of the vehicle. Uh, we've we've mentioned David Garrison before on on the podcast, and uh, whenever he was researching church planting movements, one of the things that he he observed was extraordinary prayer. And one time I was with him, and I was asking him about that, and he said, "No, it's not like they're mobilizing thousands of people to pray." He's like, "That's good." He said, "But really, what I observed, because that's what David is, is he's researching these things." He said, "What I observed is the workers were known as people of prayer, and God honored them and answered those prayers." And so, I, I just want to say to the listeners, like maybe you don't yet have the boldness to be sharing. Maybe you don't have the the, the skills. Maybe you feel ill-equipped, um, but you can pray. So with that kind of caveat, um, Angie, is there any sp other specific stories that, that you could share where you just saw God work in, in an amazing way um, and knowing that God is using that to draw people to himself? Yes, I I actually, um, that is something, and, and in our conversations in our Pathways internship, we talk about some different things. So having spiritual conversations with people, how to, what's a good intro, just starting to ask them about their beliefs. And, and um, I, I will say, I'm going to answer your question, then I want to go somewhere else too. So um, one of the things I, I try to encourage them to pray to, to Allah even, and uh, it's really, there's the same idea behind, um, behind it. So whenever they're asking me, Angie, I need a sofa, Angie, I need this, I need that. Sometimes I get worn out, but I said, why don't you pray about it? Let's pray because Allah hears our prayers. And so let's pray together. Is it okay if we pray? We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. And so we 
we just stand there and we just pray. And, um, and, but it is, it's a little crazy because one day I was praying for a sofa with someone and I said, because you know, their needs and, and you are able to meet all of their needs. And like, as I'm leaving, I get in my car and I'm not even 10 minutes down the road and someone will text me and say, Hey, Angie, I have a sofa. If, if you know anybody who needs it. So God really brings those things together. I also, um, uh, one of my families needed a van. They needed a car because their car they bought, um, the engine went bad and it's about $6,000 to get that engine. And then that's not, we don't even know if that's really going to fix the problem, but through the app, I found out about a group called the, um, anyway, it's a group that helps people. They restore Toyotas, um, and, and gift them or kind of gift them, but they also, uh, ask you to bring a gift. So I needed $5,000 to, um, get this van for the family. And I, I prayed about it and, I, I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I can't ask, can't beg my friends for, for things, but I prayed about it and I, I look in the word of God and it says that God is able to generously, you know, provide. And so I just, I, I prayed that God would provide that without me asking a lot of people. And, um, I, it was, I, I still worked on a lot of different things during that time, but um, in the end, I ended up receiving a check for $3,300 from a GoFundMe that had been set up over a year ago and no one was using. And so they, they gave me those funds and another check from someone I had never met before, very strange situation, but they are people of prayer and they, they said they saw what I was doing and they wanted to bless me and sent $1,700. And that is the 5,000. Um, so I, I see that God is a, God loves these people so much and he, he is able to provide for them. And I love that I'm getting to be a part of it. Angie, I've hear, I hear as you talk and I know that it can get a little overwhelming and um, maybe exhausting in times. Um, so can you tell me any about the spiritual warfare, even that you've experienced in getting more involved with the Afghan population and sharing Christ? I, I will say, I feel like uh, sport, spiritual warfare has come on my car. <laughs> my husband gave me a car for Christmas and I have had, um, I've had, I had an accident. Then I had hail damage on the car. I've had the car for four months. And um, last week I was helping one of the ladies um, learn to drive. She She's one of those English speakers and I can see her being a partner with me to help me. And she doesn't know how to drive. And I just thought, oh, I'll just give her one lesson in my car. And um, we ended up having an accident. And so um, <laughs> I think that is getting the brunt of it. But but I can I in my in my personal life, I I have struggles with um, how much time to commit. You know, I'm I'm married and my husband is not really um, joined. He is supportive of me for financially um, to do this. But um, he doesn't, he doesn't really want to join me in getting out there and working with the people. So, um, you know, I think some of that spiritual warfare, um, that, that stuff eats at your mind, but, you know, even this weekend, it was a, it was a tough weekend for me. And, um, I just saw God comfort me and, 
And still he brings it to my attention that he loves these people and he is, he's working and, and he's able to meet my needs too. So. How has the Lord um, continued to bring people alongside you, the church alongside you? I've heard a, a little bit of that, but can you tell us some more about that? Yes. Um, in the, in the pathways group, we've talked about, um, you know, the harvest is great and the workers are few and, and we prayed specifically for workers to join me. Um, and I, as, as I prayed about that, um, I've met, uh, the, the lady I was talking about that can only join me on Thursdays and Fridays. And then uh, there is another wonderful partner, um, that is helping me full-time Akeem and um, also some friends um, that are retired mission workers. They were in the Philippines and in China and, but they are ended up in Fort Worth. And so they didn't know what they were going to be doing next, but I took them with me and, and now they are, they're doing this also. One of the things I've, I've heard you say several times, Angie, and this, um, I, I just don't want to gloss over it and just make it an encouragement to the listeners. If, if someone is starting out, um, oftentimes this work is is lonely because God gives an individual the vision to accomplish it and you go at it. But the thing that I've heard you say is you just take people along. Um, earlier you said they see the people, that they're not distant, that they're here, that they're just like us, that they have needs. Um, but I think that is that is so key if, if someone's listening and they've already started, they're getting started and they're like, why, why aren't more people doing this? You know, honestly, it can be very frustrating um, if you're part of a large church with thousands of people and you're like, why am I the only one? It can be frustrating. But I do believe the key is, is just finding people and say, come with me. And just, just modeling, this is what it looks like. Because in their mind, they don't know what it looks like. And when there's lack of knowledge, that's where the enemy... Um, puts things in our mind of like, this is what it looks like. And it's like, no, it's, it's not really like I'm fearing my life because these people are from Afghanistan. It's like, they want to hug me and they give me tea and I, I help them with this and we share a Bible story and that's it. And we're trusting God to take what we have given as a, a, an offering and use it for his glory. Anything that you would add, like that you found to be really helpful with, with modeling or just taking people along? Yes. The, some of my friends live in um, really what I would consider, what many would consider, not safe neighborhoods and apartment complexes and things. But, you know, God's always just taken such good care of me whenever I'm there. And, you know, I, I usually just wave at people while I'm there. But the families are so, um, they're so sweet. I actually, my the name of my, um, the name of my nonprofit is Amshira, and that means sister in Dari. And um, they kind of gave me that name. They, they, the first man that I met said, "Oh, Angie, everyone asks about um, my sister, Shireen's sister, um, to to bring things. They need help, and they ask for the sister." And um, uh, anyway, it's it's so. <clears throat> you know, I have found them so loving and kind, and. And, and it is whenever you go in and you sit on their, their little, um, they have toe shacks, like the little, um, cushions on the floor. And I take my mom with me and, you know, she's like 76 years old, so she doesn't really want to sit on that cushion on the floor, but many of them have a chair or a little sofa for, for us. But 
they're just such loving people and um, welcoming and, and I, I can't think of um, anything now that I've gone, I, I, it's hard to imagine my life before whenever I didn't know anyone from Afghanistan. And now I feel like they are my extended family and, um, but, but it is, it's getting to know them. And there are people who are really good housekeepers and there are people who are not just like we are. (laughs) There are, they have, they have different likes and dislikes, but, um, in general, I asked, I did an interview with one of them one day and asked them, what would, what would you say people from Afghanistan are known as? And he said, loyal and hospitable. That is their two strengths that they would be known as. And, um, they would give me anything. I believe they would protect me. Um, if, if, if there was a need and, um, I, if, if you were here in Fort Worth, I would say, come and go with me and, and you'll love them too. That's a, that's a great invite. Angie, I want to give you, um, a little, little time and space to just share what your vision is for the Afghan people in Fort Worth. And, and even invite people to pray about joining, joining you in, in that vision. So just share what you're trusting God for and, and yeah, make, make a plea for those who are listening just to pray for, uh, the Afghans in the DFW area, but also get, give an invitation for someone to, to join you. I, my vision is for, um, all of the people, the, the first people I knew were from Orgun. And so I'm praying specifically for that group of people from, of Afghans from Orgun, that they would be worshiping Jesus. And, um, there are many of them that don't speak English. So I think there may be some avenues to get to, to that point. Um, we, we do not have a single, um, believer that I'm aware of in, uh, from Afghanistan in Fort Worth. We do have some in Dallas. Um, there are some MBBs in Dallas, um, that, that arrived from Afghanistan believing. And so, um, but we're praying for the, the first one in Fort Worth to just start. And, um, and we believe that God's going to give that to us. So, um, you could be praying that they would have dreams and visions that they would start to, see um, their need for for Christ to be in their life, that God would give um, the workers wisdom and um, courage to speak the gospel and that that God would just um, the Holy Spirit, you know, would work in their hearts to give them that little bit of um, doubt in in what their religion is offering them. And so that they have room to accept Christ in um, I think someone called it a spark. And so that little spark, we need that little spark to happen um, that the Holy Spirit would move in their hearts for them to be accepted. But, but if you're in Fort Worth, come and go with me. Um, my, my um, organization website is amshira.org, A-M-S-H-E-R-A.org. And uh, you can contact me that way. Um, if you're on that um, Signal app, you can find me there. Um, we we're going every day and um we're just we're 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 working and sharing so that the first afghan believer will come about in fort worth and um and then the rest the rest are going to come and then we believe they'll share with their um, family and friends back home in afghanistan and start a movement amongst those unreached groups there in afghanistan that's 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 a that's a god-sized vision of seeing seeing that happen. And so we'll, we'll put your contact information in the show notes. 
And then too, I would, I would say from my, my perspective, uh, Angie and I have worked together on this too, is if you're listening and you're not in the Fort Worth area, but you just want to come and see um, what this looks like, we, we will receive, you know, volunteer teams like many churches send, uh, you know, teams overseas to do mission trips. Uh, back in December, Angie and I worked together to receive some college students who went and visited uh, a lot of her families in Fort Worth, Afghan families that she's connected with, and they shared the Christmas story and shared the gospel and had a meal with them. So if you're listening and you're like, I'm not in Fort Worth, but if you're in driving distance, uh, and I, you know, my, for me, driving distance is like 750 miles. If you're within 750 miles, uh, reach out and we want to, we want to have a conversation about bringing um, some volunteer teams because this is what we know is they need to hear the gospel. And God, for whatever reason, uses people who are ill-equipped, you know, volunteer teams who, who are kind of like bulls in China shops. And it's like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. It's, it's okay. As long as we just speak the gospel and we're going in the power of the Holy Spirit, God will use it. And so that's, that's just one of the ways that I, I'm trusting that we can see Afghans come to faith in Fort Worth is through just short-term teams. And so I want to give that invitation uh, we'll put Angie's contact information in the show notes. And then also, too, I do want to take an opportunity. And uh, Angie, you you mentioned several times about the Pathways program. So just a little blurb about Pathways, and we'll put some information in the show notes. Pathways is uh, a nine-month training program that runs almost like a school year, like the end of August through May. Uh, we're going into uh, this coming year, the fifth Global Gates Pathways Internship. And the places that that is happening is in Houston, Dallas-Fort Worth, Detroit, uh, and Raleigh. So we'll put some information in there, but really the purpose of Pathways is to equip people in the skills and practices to reach the unreached and specifically focusing on Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and Sikhs. And we're only doing it in these cities because as part of the Pathways group, you're invited onto a missionary team and you're working as part of a team. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you can find more information in the show notes. Uh, Angie, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make any final final statements and then Rebecca, you can close this out. Yes, I, I just want to say I'm so grateful to what God has, uh, for what God has done in, in letting me work with these people and, you know, experiencing God says, look around and see where God is working and join him. And, um, it, I, I can look back and see many different, like, um, stepping stones that got me where I am, but I'm so grateful for what God's doing, what God's done in my heart. I can encourage others in my home church, in other churches, um, to that, that we need to be sharing the gospel, that we need to be sharing the gospel with the lost world around us, not just Muslims and, and those people from far away, but our neighbors right here in America. And that has become a lot more evident to me um, through this program. But I've been equipped with tools now, it seems like, um, in, with, through the Pathways program. And we, you also get to go on a fantastic mission trip, best trip I've ever been on um, with with that in mind and um, very well planned and organized. And um, I came home not exhausted, but refreshed and and inspired to um, to continue that work here. 
Angie, I greatly appreciate you coming to share with us and um, being able to visit with you. I think the big thing for me that my takeaway is that we're really, there's something for all of us to be a part of and be doing. We've mentioned prayer. We've mentioned um, getting involved and just getting a little training, coming alongside someone, whether it be a short-term trip or just for the day. We've mentioned, um, you know, pathways, more of that nine-month internship. So there's just so many ways that people can um, be involved in sharing Christ with the nations. And I appreciate you um, just really emphasizing that and all the books. You've mentioned some books and some other resources, and we'll be sure to put those in the show notes. And um, anyway, I'm excited to see what all God has in store after um, people listen to this episode. So thank you for sharing. This has been episode seven of um, Let's Talk Diaspora. This season is sponsored by UPG North America. Go to upgnorthamerica.com for more information.